0: If you drove in today and looked at the sign, you're probably one in one of several groups. You're either going to be off on the date the rest of the week, uh, as it's not the third, it's the first. Um, or you might be wondering what I'm going to be preaching on Tuesday. So, uh, <laughs> This is last week's sermon. I'm not going to preach last week's sermon. I'm not sure. Just a moment. I hope I didn't throw the wrong one away. (laughs) (laughs) For those of you who weren't here last week. So this month, um, we are in the final... Uh, month of our, our series on the titles of Christ and, and how they affect our relationship uh, with with God and, and and with Christ and seeing as how it is the first, it's December. Everybody's mind is turning to Christmas. So we're going to be looking at some of the the titles that surround kind of the Christmas theme. Uh, not necessarily directly about Christmas, but some things that intersect it. Um, now, in in culture, we have some obscure uh, cultural references, um, and uh, we have a lot of things that are part of our language that we no longer understand the origin of. Like Christmas, like anything, has it has a bunch of these things. I, I don't know what a yule log is, or or a lot of these. This is just a lot of things that we just kind of do, and and we don't understand. Why we don't we don't have the cultural reference? We lose the cultural references. I, I heard a story about a, a lady. She said that uh, that she was preparing the Christmas ham, right? Uh, and and uh, and her mother was over, and they, they she says, okay, now you got to cut the ham in half and put it in the pot or whatever, and uh, and so she did that, and and so she she raised uh, she raised the kids, and this this is a family tradition, I guess. I don't know what happened, and and so so the little girl. This, there's this little girl helping her mother cook for the first year, and, and, and so she's like, Mom, why do we cut the ham in half? And the mother says, I don't know. We, we did that. Your mom, your, your grandma always did that. So, so now everybody's coming over, and it's a big thing. So, so, so the grandma's there, and she says, why do we cut, Mom? I, I don't know why we cut the ham in half and, and whatever the... The granddaughter's name. She's like, I don't know your mother. Your your grandmother always did that, and and so the great grandmother happened to be at this thing. She's like, oh, it's easy. When, when I was first married and you guys were all small, I didn't have a pot big enough, so I had to cut them in to fit the things in. So so this the, we don't have any context for a lot of the things that we do, and we just accept it, and things go on, and it becomes a part of things, right? Uh, so uh, we have these obscure cultural references, and, and, and a lot of times people start to doubt the veracity of some of the cultural references we have, simply because they, they don't have the original reference. Um, so imagine an outsider hearing uh, for the first time some, some things that we, we commonly uh, take uh, for granted. Um, uh, some of these these cultural references, uh to to Old Testament things and I like I was I was um uh, uh reading I, I every once in a while I fall prey to the clickbait things, you know, like uh you know Ten things. Oh, you'll never guess what this and that. Okay, I got to do it. Well, one of them I, I came across was um, people who never existed. I know where they're going to go eventually. I'm like, ah, don't do this. You're just going to get angry. Uh, so I know eventually they're going to say Jesus probably never existed or whatever. Uh, but but people who never existed. Uh, the Greek poet Homer never existed. Um, uh, Moses never existed. Shakespeare never existed. You know, it'll go on and on. And a lot of times it's because they don't have access to. We, we've lost the original historical references of those books or whatever have just been lost over time or deteriorated and, and what happened. And, and so since since people can't, uh, since people don't have access to those absolute references, they doubt that they ever existed. Uh, and, and we're looking at a, uh, let's look at Matthew chapter 2, uh, verse 23 kind of uh, comes across Uh, One of these uh, says, When Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. He rose and took the child, his mother went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, He was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee, and he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. And we're going to be talking about Christ as a Nazarene. Now, there is something that's interesting in this passage. And what's very interesting in this passage is we have this this statement that he would be called a Nazarene. It was fulfilled by by what the prophets spoke. And, and the problem is, is that's not in your Old Testament. It's simply not there. Like, what? Was he wrong? And, and so some people doubt and begin to doubt that this was ever stated or, or here's a mistake in the Bible because we don't have access to the information. Uh, and so, so some people do some pretty interesting... We, we want things to be a certain way. And so what we do a lot of times is we start trying to rationalize Rationalization is one of the strongest human impulses. Uh, so, um, so, so these two verses are verses that people will try to find. One of these looks probably very familiar to you. Uh, someone will reference, well, the, the reference to Nazarites was was the prophecy. No, no it, it wasn't. That that wasn't. That was about Samson. Uh, and uh, so, uh, anyway, so, so then, then some people reference this verse, 11, what, right? Isaiah 11, one. Isaiah 11.1, we've been here before, a couple of times it seems. As there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. We've, we've seen this verse a little bit before. Uh, and, and the word uh, branch is the word Nazar, right? And so some people say, well, that was what he was trying to And it might actually be a, a root from which Nazareth, was, was, uh, was named and so some people try to well that's, that's the prophecy right there we found it well, if we go back let's, let's just go back and look um, at uh, what this verse was this is the verse we just read this is the key verse about being called a Nazarene and I want to look at four things in this very verse that you can show that these, these two verses that's not what it's talking about which is going to leave us kind of in a conundrum uh, first of all These batteries, first of all, these batteries are going dead. Um, It's a location. It's not a branch. It's not a reference to a branch. It's a a reference to a location. And certainly being called a Nazarite had nothing to do with the location. Second, he talks about multiple prophets. He's not talking about one obscure reference over here somewhere in Isaiah, in a, you know, you've got, we've got to do some integral calculus to figure out what this, what this thing means. So third is kind of interesting. He, he doesn't cite written prophecy. He cites oral prophecy, which is kind of an important thing. Uh, and and here's, there's all these prophets saying this thing. What was spoken by the mouth of the prophets. Uh, so, so there was multiple uh, prophets saying things. And he assumes the veracity of it. He doesn't have to go into uh, something. Well, you know that that Isaiah said this, and this means this, and so therefore Jesus fulfills this thing. Whoever was reading this had access to this material, whether it was given by oral tradition, or whether they had writings that that we don't know of, or, or what have you. It was assumed that the reader understood. It was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophets, that he would be called Nazarene. No one reading this was going to go, no they didn't. We don't have that reference. Right? They understood that that was in existence. So whatever they had, we don't have today necessarily. Now I want to look at another, uh, just to, to see this, because there's a similar example in the same chapter in the Bible. And I'm going to give you a theory. It's just going to be a theory, I promise. Uh, nope, that's not in there. Um, that's interesting. I didn't write it in there. Matthew chapter two one. I will look it up. Uh, Matthew chapter two one. It's in the same uh, in the same chapter, uh, and, and we're all familiar with this story, uh, the story of the the wise men, right? And, and uh, so in Matthew, here they they come across and they're 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 they getting ready. and the first thing they do uh, is they they come to. To Herod, And they come to this, and it says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born, king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. Right? Uh, and this sets everything in motion. And you can read, and we did last year, remember we went through the whole, the whole Old Testament. And I'm going to tell you right now that none of you read a single prophecy in the Old Testament about Jesus having a star. It's not in there. It's simply not in there. Um, So how does this... I'm just going to give you a theory that I have. Okay? You don't have to take this home with you and and say, well, this is a fact. Um, How does he have his star? And how is this statement of him having a, a... uh, being called a, a Nazarene we, we just simply don't have it there well if you go back and, and remember what was happening uh, in Babylon they, they, they come back to Babylon and if you read Ezra and Nehemiah and, this, and it is just a couple of handful of, of books written afterwards and there's Malachi and some of these right? Uh, and what's going on we see major moral problems in Jerusalem. Now, what's important to note is what happens in Persia and in Babylon before they come back. And not everyone came back. Ezra had set up a school for for translation, and a lot of a lot of the rules that we understand for translating and accuracy and things those were those were things done by Ezra. He was very very reverent concerning the Word of God, and and wanted to preserve it. And so there's all these these wise men or Magi, they were Jewish people. And, and they set up this school there. Well, well when, when it moved it moved to Persia, after, after they were released from Babylon, they went to Persia. Remember Nehemiah? Nehemiah went, uh, he, was a, 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 he was kind of a prophet, but he kind of worked for the king. And he was a cupbearer. And he says, I just need a temporary leave of absence to go and kind of help out in Jerusalem. Now I'm going to come back. A lot of people stayed in Persia. And, and so my theory is that kind of God said he He worked with them for so long. And then all of a sudden, after Malachi, there's dead silence in Jerusalem. I think God got to a point where he couldn't work with them anymore. And God says, you know what? Here's this, here's this group of people that have stayed in Persia, and, and they love my word. And they're dedicated to preserving it. And they're dedicated to... to uh, Honoring it I'm going to work with them And so I think there were Jewish people In Jerusalem We know there's Jewish people in in, in Persia That were Getting prophetic messages And I think that's what these Both of these references in Matthew 2 Again, it's my theory Uh, God was always communicating With his people But I just think he says I've had enough of Jerusalem These people, they, they don't honor me Right? And I think that's where we find these references of Christ being a Nazarene, Christ having a star. These people, they're prophesying, and God's still working with humanity through the Jews that respect Him. I think that continues today. I think God says, sometimes I just can't work with this group anymore. I can't work with this person anymore. I'm going to find somebody I can work with. Well, I want to talk about the value of the Nazarene today. The value of the Nazarene. Why call him a Nazarene? Well, uh, Psalms 23.4, I want to look at the location. Psalms 23.4. He says... Um, where is it? No, I don't have it there. So I'm going to have to read it out of this. Says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. You know this, we've, we've memorized this in camps and everything, right? So what is the valley of the shadow of death? Well, uh, the Bible tells us what the valley of the shadow of death is. In, uh, is a notorious place, right? That sounds like a very no- notorious place. Um, this is running out of batteries as we speak. Can you just advance that? I think I'm just going to have to... Alright, John one through 43-47. It says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, in the city of Andrew and Peter. And Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, Come and see. And Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said to him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whose mouth there is no uh, deceit. Now, prior to this, I w- there's one more reference I want to look at. Matthew chapter 4, and I don't have it up there. Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 12. And this is interesting because it intersects Psalms. And what we, we're getting an idea that this is, as I say, a very notorious place. Matthew 4 uh, beginning in verse 12 and going through uh, verse 16 <clears throat> it says now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison he departed is this, not, is this the right one here yes uh, he departed to Galilee and leaving Nazareth he came and dwelt in Capernaum which is by the sea, in the regions of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people who sat in darkness saw a great light. And upon those who sat in the region and the shadow of death, light has dawned. So when David writes about the valley of the shadow of death, he's referencing... Galilee, this awful area. I, I was. I lived in a place that's kind of similar uh, to historically to what Nazareth is. Uh, I lived in a small town called uh, Rutland, Vermont. Nothing special about Rutland, Vermont, except it's between New York City and it's be- between there and Montreal. It's a nice little place off of the side for people who are bringing drugs between the two. Uh, and so it's, it's it's this little town of 17,000 people that's full of heroin and meth, right? That's kind of what Galilee was historically. It was this wonderful place right between Egypt and and Babylon, and it was a drug town. It was a notorious place, and you get this, this is the valley of the shadow of death. And and listen to what uh, to what Nathaniel says. Can anything good come? From Nazareth? And so so not just Galilee, but Nazareth is like the most notorious place in Galilee. I mean, every town has some good thing, right? Every town you if you're from a town, you've got you know, I mean more than a thousand people, you can say, Oh, someone famous is from our town, right? Even Waukesha has some famous people from here, right? Multiple people. But if you look through all the references to Nazareth, the only References to Nazareth in the Bible are about Jesus. they got it. nothing else. Nothing else was have nothing good can any and this is why listen there's a man who speaks pretty honest a man look a man who has, has no guile in his mouth. he just speaks honestly can anything good come from Nazareth? no except for Christ now that 's important. Why is that important? Um, Can you advance the slide one more time? Jesus identified with Nazareth one more time. Where is he from? Where is, there are three places in the Bible that reference Jesus being from there. He's from the city of David. He's born there. The Bible references this as, out of Egypt I called my son. So he could claim Egypt, that's certainly better. And he's from Nazareth. And one of them he's called throughout his life. He's not called Jesus the Egyptian. He's not called Jesus the the Bethlehemite. A lot of people are born in a place and raised in another place. And we tend to cite the place that we like better. Right? So I'm from Massachusetts. Now I was born in New York. Now my brother doesn't like Massachusetts, so he claims New York. We're born in the same place, raised in the same place. He cites one, I cite the other. We like different places. Jesus cites, and even when he dies, on the sign where he dies says Jesus the Nazarene. He always identified. And so... Jesus chose. That's important. Jesus chose to be identified. Let's see why that is important. Because we want to finish out talking about closeness with the Nazarene. If you could. Closeness with the Nazarene. Well, we need to learn how he associates. Um... Let's click to the next one. Matthew chapter 19, verse 13. It says, Children were brought to him that he might lay hands on them and pray. The disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, Suffer the little children. Let the children come to me. Do not stop them. Because to such belongs the kingdom of heaven, and he laid on his hands on them and went away. Jesus, if you could... Associated first of all with the socially invisible. No, it's really socially invisible. In most societies, kids just kind of get lost in things. Right? We, we focus on adults. Now, I had somebody tell me one time said, "Look at where you spend a lot of where most churches spend their big budget items tend to be around things that center on the adults. He's like, if you if you look at budget, I mean, we do some kids classes and we'll do a VBS and things, but but where a lot of churches spend their money is on things where adults will notice. Uh, and and he like said, we, we we went through our budget and said, here's here's the youth group and they get these little things over here and this here and and this little thing here. Kids are socially invisible. Not that they're less important, but we just kind of skim over children and here you can see this even with the disciples the disciples are the ministry and teaching and let's do this and they're all focused on the adults and Jesus says let's look at the socially invisible let's look at the people who are not really and not just children but you can look throughout his ministry the people that just kind of get passed over the people on the side of the street and the disciples are constantly get away Jesus has more important things to do and Jesus says no I'm here for the socially invisible. That's the first thing. Second thing. Ne- next verse. Luke chapter 5. He says, The Levi made him a great feast in his house. Now this is Levi. We know as Matthew. A large company of tax collectors and others reclining at the table with them. Now the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled. <clears throat> why do you eat with and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And in another passage it says, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? So Jesus said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick I have not called to come, uh, come to call the righteous to sin, uh, uh, but sinners to repentance. And so the second group that he frequently associated with was the morally deficient. Socially invisible The morally deficient And if you want to guess At what we're talking about When we're talking about Getting close to A man from Nazareth Jesus could have Claimed a nicer place The city of David That's much nicer But Jesus claimed A city full That was invisible There's nobody ever been from there It's full of immorality. And Jesus said, that's where I'm from. Nobody ever says that. I'm telling you right now, if you've ever met a person from Ukraine, they're from Kiev. Because no one claims anywhere else. Kiev is the nice big city. And everybody from Ukraine will claim Kiev. Even if they live an hour from there. And that's what we do. We don't want to claim... awful place like Nazareth but if you want to get close to the man from Nazareth you have to learn how he associates next verse is John chapter 7 verse 22 and 23 and again we go back to the story of John the Baptist in prison and this is right before he's getting ready to be killed Um, so you can put John is that on there John chapter 7 22 and 23 yes Uh, no it's not Boy, I'm slipping today. Uh, John 7, 22 and 23. That's okay. It's good to get some finger exercise here. So here's, here's John. John's been a great... Minister and, like all people, he has some doubts at the end was I, was I really accomplishing anything so right before he's to be executed, he sends some messengers, and he asks them uh, he, asks, he asks them to, to ask Jesus if he was really the one or you know just between you and me, were you the one or you just kind of putting everybody on um, and So, so Jesus uh, sends a message back. Let's see here if I can find it. That is not the right verse. <coughs> that is not the right verse. Anyway, we all know the passage. What's the what's the 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 verse what's the what's the message that he sends him back? John, the lame walk, and going to okay, he he goes and says, "Listen, this is what's happening." This is what's happening. The people who are all of the, 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 the people in society that you don't want to associate with, they're hearing the gospel. They're getting sight. Christ, This is the message. John, if you want to know I'm legit, if, if you want to know everything that you work for is, is what it was supposed to be, here's the sign. Get close to me and understand me. Know what my mission was. My mission was towards the people that were by the wayside. Towards the the people that didn't know about repentance and what it was. That's the mission. That's how we get close. And so, here we are in James, chapter 2, we're almost done. Our closeness... With God, what it means. My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. If a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothes comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothes, and you say, Sit here in this good place. Yeah, the poor man. You say, Sit over there. Sit down at my feet. Know your place. right? Stay in your lane, poor man. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers. Hasn't God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which He has promised to those who love him? And this is how he asks us To get close to the Nazarene. To do the same thing. To have the same priorities. To have the same uh, awareness of the people that God claims as his own. The type of people that God chose deliberately to be around when he could have chosen lots of other people to be around. I mean, Jesus, no one spoke better than Jesus How many people came and argued with Jesus and went away? (laughs) That man was eloquent. He was brilliant. There's so many stories we could tell about his brilliance and his capability. He could have come and associated with the upper crust and just... and let the invisible people be invisible, but he didn't. And he asks us to get close. He wanted to be known as a Nazarene so that we would understand something what his purpose was. Now we work with a ministry here, Family Promise, that is dedicated towards the types of groups that Jesus asked us to poor people. People who've made poor choices in life, whether financially or morally or whatever. Children, the invisible. But I want to challenge you this, as we kind of think about next year, we, we get to this point and we always start thinking about the new year and, and, and new chapters in lives and things like that. Um, but I want to, for, for us to think about going beyond just a, a couple of weeks a year. Not necessarily a church ministry, but a personal ministry that, that you do and as we do that we're going to conclude with two thoughts the first thought is to locate Nazareth on your map you have a Nazareth on your map right? uh, some of you have friends on Facebook and they always post where they run right? they want you to be glad that they run and run and run, and run. or bike or whatever <laughs> um, look at me I ran three months right and, and you'll notice those maps are all pretty much in the same area. Right? They, they, a lot of times they look the same. I did the same thing today. We have that map. And on our map is Nazareth somewhere. It, it is comprised of those people who are forgotten. And who do, I did something last night. Uh, I was in the grocery store. Uh, and this is fun to do. Uh, it... Uh, People have these name tags. Right? Everyone has these name tags. So uh, I went checking out through the, through the uh, grocery store. And, I, and she's like, how are you? I said, I'm doing fine, Kim. That was her name. And she jumped back. Like, how do you know my name? You know, and then she, We never use people's names. That is the most important word in the English language, is a person's name, by the way. Do it. She was different the entire rest of that transaction. The next time I go into Woodman's, she will recognize me. Right? Develop these connections. They're not just individuals checking out. They're, they're people. Develop just a personal thing that you do. It doesn't require a church official ministry that we do this but find Nazareth Find the people that are Just kind of there In your walk And develop a communication Develop interactions With people And the second thing As we do this As you look for ways to interact with people Is to clear some room Because my, my schedule is pretty full Is your schedule pretty full? Our schedules are full and so as we do this deliberately, or uh, if we're, if we're going to take time out, uh, uh, if we're going to say, I'm, I'm going to do this thing, uh, okay, it's easy. No, it's not really easy, but it, it, it's, it's one thing to say, uh, we've got four weeks of the year, and our church is going to do this, and I'm going to take one slot, or two slots, on that four times a year. That, that, that's, I, I can do some math. That's, that's eight times in the year that I'm doing something with our church minister. That's not really a lot. To eight times a year to dedicate a couple of hours is not really a lot. So this year I'm asking you on a personal level to clear some room out. Because that's the only way. Sometimes we just, I look at my house and I look at the stuff and we, we didn't have much stuff when we moved back from Ukraine and now my house is full of stuff and I'm looking and I'm like having to get creative and building shelves for stuff. Because it just kind of fills empty spots. And it's like, do we need this? So sometimes you just have to start chucking stuff away. And we need to do that with our schedule. I'm asking you to to clear some room. I'm asking you to chuck some stuff out of your schedule. And make some room for the people. Because the apostles, we look at the apostles and they're like, we don't have time for kids. We don't have time for these people. Jesus is a busy man. Jesus says, I'm not too busy. I know what it's like to be from Nazareth. I know what it's like to to live where these people live on a daily basis.